100% a horror comedy. <laughs> and it is so much more over-the-top and insane than I expected. Like, it is in no way... I, I, I don't believe anyone, unless, you know, they just have some sort of phobia, could be genuinely scared by it. But, uh, and it seems silly, but just in the way it is edited, it is like nothing I'd ever seen. And so, hey, everyone, I guess because I'm just talking about a Japanese movie without having the language to articulate specifics, you're probably listening to the Big Bang Theory Theory. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Kyle. And before we jump, I meant I never told you, but at your recommendation, I finally watched I watched uh, Barbarian. What a great movie. Oh, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, that's that's another one where I think hype injured me slightly on that one because I just heard how crazy it is. And to be fair, pretty crazy. Just not like the craziest thing I'd ever seen, you know. But no, no I'm glad, no, no, I'm glad no, you no. enjoyed it's, it. It's much, much better. Yeah, it, it's that's all we should say because it is oh, a yeah. great movie to just go in with no idea what's happening. Because Yes, I, I do agree with that still. So I do like this is the only thing I'll say. I like that the main character at the start of the movie makes what are only I think objectively good decisions and it just does not pay yes. off for them that well anyway. So No, it, I, I I agree with that. I think that is actually something that um I read Letter Media, I, I watched their review and they, they thought so as well that, you know, usually in horror movies people are you know, as much as victim of circumstance, they're victim of their own poor choices. But here it's like, no, no, these characters are pretty reasonable. The situation isn't. But yeah, they yeah. <laughs> they really are kind of. No, the, the, the exact moment when the uh, when one of the characters says, I'm getting the fuck out of here, is the exact moment when I, in real life, would have said, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah. No, it's great. But you know what? A little more artificially than normal, I think, we're going to transition into the show we actually talk about, because while it is clear that Kyle and I would prefer to discuss a movie such as Barbarian, we have tasked ourselves with watching the entirety of the television show, The Big Bang Theory, and today we got to Season 6, Episode 21, which is officially titled The Closure Alternative, in That's what, right, and we are denying ourselves the closure of having an awesome conversation about Barbarian. And that, yeah, we're, you know, in a weird way, sick freaks that we are. Yeah, we are we're edging ourselves on the Big Bang Theory. That is 100% what I was just about to say. Yes, that is, every week is an experiment in what we would rather be doing and how the satisfaction we get when this part of it is over. <laughs> Sorry, listeners, if you don't enjoy this, neither do we. But... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I guess we, you know, I, I think <laughs> to, to front load, as, as I have been my feelings on the episodes lately, I think the positive thing about this episode is I found it so frivolous that it'll be easy to get through and I will feel zero guilt about talking about the things I'd rather talk about. <laughs> yes. And also, uh, there were three plot lines in this one, which was nice because it just meant that, because I think if it had only been two, would have really collapsed under the weight of any two of these plot lines, but three of them? Perfect. Well, I, I'm, you know, I, I disagree, but I'm willing to be convinced because, yes, it was... Absolutely, three three disc- discrete plot lines, and I was looking well, forward perfect. to talking I didn't about mean that. Perfect in that this episode was great. I just mean perfect in the sense that I appreciate that they didn't spend more time in a one place than they did. Okay, yeah. Well, now I'm back 100 percent with you. Yeah, like each plot line, if 
is so thin to begin with. Yeah, it could not bear to be stretched any thirder. So, but uh, thirder, but any, any wider. Uh, but yeah, let's let's get into that. So, as Kyle has already revealed, today's episode has not just an A plot or a B plot, but a C plot, and each of them are very straightforward. Really, don't interact with each other, and are pretty easy to summarize. So, I think. You know, the most substantive one is the plot between Raj and, oh my god, they actually gave her a name, and I can't remember her name right now, His, the new girlfriend. Yeah, I can't remember her name either. I'm going to call her I... Lucy. Is it Lucy? I'm going with that Lucy. right. All right, Lucy. Kate Micucci, whoever she is. But yeah, let's call her Lucy. And so, he is hanging out with Wallowitz, Raj is, and they're, they're spending some time online when Raj finds Lucy's personal blog. Because, not that those aren't still a thing, but this is from an age, you know, 10, 15 years ago, where rather than having actual social media, people would just advertise their lives on personal websites. And so he finds her blog, and he feels like a little guilty about finding it, but at the same time, it's like, well, it's public, it's it's helpful information for this relationship, why wouldn't I do it? And if they'd explored that a bit more, that'd be fun, but they do kind of brush right past it. And what he learns, though, is, and I had the, I've had this experience once myself, where someone I didn't even know I was on a date on wrote about me on her blog and the date we had, and I was like, oh, no, that means I really fucked that date up. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I thought that was just a friend hang. Cripes. But what happened here is he finds the blog, and uh, he finds, Wallowitz has to tell him that he, he's being written about pseudonymously as Roger, which goes totally over his head in a kind of silly moment. Um, and then once he realizes it's him, he, he tells Wallowitz later, well, I kept reading about it, and uh, she described me as feminine, and I'm very insecure about this, when obviously Raj is, you know, he's proved to be fairly feminine throughout the whole series. And so uh, Lucy does show up for a date with him at his apartment, and he really tries his best to, like, bro out. You know, he's wearing a hockey jersey and talking in a slightly deeper, gruffer voice, and Lucy is so put off by this that she gets up and gets ready to leave in the middle of dinner, not even because Raj does anything offensive or anything, just because she's like, this is weird, right? I'm gonna go. And so Raj breaks down, and he's like, no, 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 don't go. I just, I saw that you wrote about me being feminine, and I was worried and wanted to be over-masculine, and she's like, no, that was a good thing, actually. I think you're, like, sweet and kind, and all these other things that, you know, may not be traditionally masculine, but are positive qualities. And so then they continue the rest of their date. That's that whole story over and done. Okay, plot B! Amy and Sheldon are... I don't remember what the initial contact is, but they're hanging out, and... Oh, because this show got cancelled. Yes, what was it called? Alphas, I believe? Alphas, yes. A real show that really existed. Yeah, and so it apparently got cancelled season two on a cliffhanger. And Sheldon cannot let it go. And so it was apparently on the sci-fi channel. And so he resorts to calling the, you know, random numbers, I guess, at the sci-fi channel headquarters uh, through using various persona to try to convince somebody that he is worth listening to and that Alpha Season 3 needs to happen. Meanwhile, Amy, who he's spending time with, recognizes what a silly and futile effort this is and suggests to him that he has some sort of kind of behavioral issue with requiring closure and that it's going to be her little project to try to train him out of that a little bit so at least 
not having closure won't be as overwhelming. And so this plays out in uh, essentially a montage where first she challenges him to a game of tic-tac-toe, but just before he's about to win, she just erases the game and says, that's that's it, you know? Like, yeah, you were going to win, but you didn't, and that's the game. And then similar scenes with a big setup of dominoes in a pattern that are ready to fall that he never actually gets to set off. Uh, he... She makes him a birthday cake to blow out the candles. He doesn't get to blow out all the candles. He, You know, she blocks one. And the end of this is him saying, Oh, well, Amy, you've taught me a very important thing that I'm going to take to heart. And also, I, this is kind of brought up and let go. She compares this to her own frustration of like, Oh, Sheldon, you're talking about how difficult it is to have some sort of wanting building up need, frustration, desire that you have absolutely no release for. Oh, God, I wish I could relate. <laughs> I'm so horny. And so that is, I guess, that's, again, a thing that I wish they'd explored, but they don't. Instead, Amy leaves the apartment thinking that she has had an essentially uh, successful day of training Sheldon. But as soon as he closes the door, he's like, oh, thank God, it's time. And he draws back up the exact same tic-tac-toe game so he can he can finish it when he sets up all the dominoes and knocks them over again he blows out the candles uh on another birthday cake and just as uh he just as he is knocking over the, the dominoes it's penny comes in to, to bug him really quick and sheldon in uh the same back and forth frustration comparison with amy is seen rolling around on the floor in ecstasy as if he just had an actual orgasmic climax. Uh, and that concludes that plot. Uh, and then the final plot is the least substantive, even though it's the one that seems to have the most to do, both with Leonard and Penny's relationship and what Penny wants to be and who she is, like even as a character. And that is... And boy, also I'm going to say I'm 100% with Penny this whole way. Is Leonard is like, hey, you're going to love this television show because I love it called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, it's incredible. Oh, it's fun and action and comedy. And oh, it's in oh. and Penny watches it and she's like, uh, just as I was, I don't understand or give a shit about this. Like, I'm glad you enjoy it, Leonard, but this just isn't my thing. And so this plot turns into her kind of being frustrated, actually, that she can't appreciate Buffy or seemingly anything the way that Leonard and the other nerds enjoy Buffy and their other nerdy things. And so she has a heart-to-heart -heart with Penny, uh, no, with, uh, with Bernie, about how, you know, it's like, oh, I just wish I had this passion that you guys all seem to have. Like, is there... Do I just not have my thing? Or, like, how are we going to find that thing? And instead of actually exploring any of that, <laughs> uh, she she and Leonard have dinner, and she's like, you know what? You are my thing. And I hear that, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, that is sad. That is like, Penny, please don't give up on this already. You know, you need to find your something, and your something can't be supporting your boyfriend who's into things that you don't enjoy yourself. Like, that is... I mean, maybe maybe that's genuinely, genuinely her feeling, but that just seems like such a both self-sacrificial and lazy way to resolve it. And that those are the three plots. And the stinger is Sheldon um, gets the actual 
creator or writer, whoever it is, of the Alphas TV show on the phone. And uh, the creator describes to him how season three would have gone. And Sheldon says, oh, that sucks. No wonder you got canceled. The end. So we are through it already. The, the thinnest, most airy, effortless to get through plots, I feel like, in Big Bang Theory Theory history. <laughs> and I don't know what to say about them. Kyle, how do you feel? It was interesting because I felt a little called out by the Buffy thing, although I think I've grown... It's not so much... I mean, both because, yes, I was really into Buffy the Vampire Slayer for a long time. I probably still like it. I just haven't watched it in several years, mostly because I'm terrified that uh, it probably doesn't hold up great. And I Are you worried that there's going to be Joss Whedon subtext in it now? <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like I don't want to think of... It was fun when you were thinking about it as a... Uh, you know, as a fun action adventure show, it's much less fun when you think about it as this, you know, crazy, obsessive, abusive guy manipulating all of these people in the story that has to be exactly the way he would want it. Or apparently he would become incredibly monstrous to everyone around him. Ooh, fortunately, this is reminding me of something I will bring up during my recommendation, but please continue. Thank you. <clears throat> but uh, also... Because I'm definitely guilty of that thing where, like, I will show people something that I like a lot and then be bummed if they're not as into it as I am. It's just not a, it's just not a fun feeling. And it doesn't make – because people are totally allowed to not like the same things as you. But it's like, no, this is a big part of my personality. So it would be great if you could just, like, like appreciate that. And then it, it, it usually doesn't go well. It doesn't go badly yeah. all of the time, but I mean, I thought they actually split the difference really well because it would be one thing if she'd hated it, but like she gave what I thought was a perfectly reasonable answer, which was like, ah, it's cute. Not yeah. bad. Not, not obsessed with it though. Yeah. It's exactly. fine. She, she doesn't get any sort of like anti Buffy or, you know, any sort of anti nerd sentiment, which I think she would get for just about any other nerd media they'd feed her. But yeah, this one, yeah, just like you said, she's like, yeah, it's all right. I don't know. You know, take it or leave it. They actually, it's funny because I remember they did an analogous storyline on How I Met Your Mother where Ted shows one of his girlfriends Star Wars. And that was like a much bigger, like, it was like both a much bigger and weirder deal because she pretends to like it in front of him and then confesses behind his back that she hates it. Uh, Oh, and then she resolves to basically, like, pretending to like it whenever he watches it for, like, the rest of their lives. And then, fortunately, they end up not staying together that long. But you're like, oh, Jesus good. Christ. Yeah, that would be disgusting. Um, well, I'm sure there are many women, though, who have done that about some various form of media. Or just, I suspect, about sports generally. There's no way there are that many women who are in the in – who are – I'm sorry. I want to be careful how I phrase this. I'm sure there are plenty of avid female sports fans, but I also see a lot of couples where the dude is obviously his whole identity is sports and then the woman's whole identity somehow becomes about sports. And I was like, I don't remember you being this into sports before you started dating this guy. Well, and you reminded me of something that like way, way, way back when I was a teen, uh, the game EverQuest was very popular. You know, one of the earlier big 3d mmos and uh this was also back in the day where not everyone had broadband and so uh my friends would go to the local mall cyber cafe (laughs) to play everquest and 
some of these young gentlemen had girlfriends and some of those girlfriends would go with them to just like sit and hang out as they just played EverQuest. And as a teen, I think I was frustrated that I too didn't have a girlfriend and also was frustrated that I was like, if I had a girlfriend, we wouldn't be doing this. This yeah, is, would... this looks like abuse. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now that I'm older, I, I don't think I feel that kind of like jealous bitterness anymore, but I'm still like, those girlfriends were too fucking supportive. Like that was, I mean, we lived in a small town, I guess, get what you can get, but Jesus Christ, what like well, an every, awful like, thing. Full disclosure, I am going to a birthday party next week for a friend of mine where it will be a bunch of guys playing Dungeons and Dragons and then a bunch of, uh, and then all of our girlfriends tolerating us playing Dungeons and Dragons, but it's also the dude's birthday. Like that's not a like a regular yeah, Saturday. That's, that's, yeah, that's that's your day. You you get a pass on that day. But yeah, it's um well and also just about sharing things you like. Uh it is as silly as it ever is, it is like a moment of vulnerability. Like the last lady I dated, uh she was a bit younger than me, and when I would like be like, I really like this song I was always terrified that she was going to be like, oh, you and your old man music, which never happened, not out loud anyway. But it's just kind of like, oh, God, I really hope this other person, like, doesn't make fun of me for liking this thing. Like, that's like this is a part of my identity in a way, even if it's just a small snippet. And I really don't want that piece of me invalidated, even if it is just a song or a TV show. Yeah, and so... Penny, healthy reaction to Buffy, but yeah, also, you know, any expectation that she's supposed to be into it would be silly, and so I'm glad they didn't go that route either. Um, yeah, I don't know. <sighs> but what else? Like, I don't know. I, I enjoyed, sort of. Yeah, it's funny. The more I think about this, I just, I can't let go, because the more I think about it... <clears throat> Comparing it to How I Met Your Mother, which is generally a much less reviled and considered less problematic show. Oh, that may not be true anymore. It handles the whole, like, like what to do when your girlfriend isn't into the same stuff as you think better. The Big Bang Theory does. Yeah. Well, and I haven't even seen um, How I Met Your Mother, but I can imagine that easily being the case, I think, just as a matter of like perspective because you know big bang theory while making fun of these nerds at the same time is a really inarticulate clumsy celebration of nerddom and so i think yeah like you're gonna have the episode where someone's into something that's really nerdy oh is it too nerdy is that a bridge too far are they not going to be able to relate while on a show that you know, is about a group of more or less regular people that that intensity of attachment to like some sort of media, I I, I would imagine is just less intense or meaningful. But I don't know. Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do think it's I will say this. I do think it's true that there's like I think this episode is that like one of the defining key features of nerddom really is just an ability to feel more passionate about i mean i don't know i mean that is the question is it more passionate about only about things that don't matter or is it just more passionate generally like our normal well-adjusted 
non-nerdy people just generally less excitable people? Well, I mean, that that's... Oh, are we going to really talk about the episode today? Because that's where, like... That's where Penny is distinguishing herself from literally everyone else in the show. Like she's right, right, even right, and that's that's what she says. And when she said that, I was surprised because I was like, "That actually sounds right to me." That like your inability to feel like a super obsessive passion about things is just like your de- is like not just your defining characteristic, but just a defining characteristic of being like a uh, whatever you want to call the opposite of a of a nerd, a normcore person, a basic yeah. person. Well, and, like, something that I think has turned me into a much more social person is understanding and accepting that these things that I am very much into are often gibberish and nonsense to other people. And it's so, like, I don't even feel necessarily passionate about these things that I really enjoy because I'm not out in public like, oh my God, you got to do this, this, and this. But it's really out of self-reflection and shame where, like, if I watch a movie, I'm immediately going to the Wikipedia to find all the weird little tidbits about it. If I play a video game, I'm looking on the wiki because I want to know the backstory and, like, sometimes even, like, like for Final Fantasy VII... Like, that's a game that I can't even tell you I'm, like, super crazy about. Have I gone on the wiki and looked at multiple bosses' battle scripts just to figure out what their AI looks like when on when written down? Oh, you betcha. And I don't think of that as passionate, but I also know that there's no one... Like, I'm definitely, unless I'm crazy, in the vast minority of people who plays a video game and is like, Oh, I wonder what the actual pattern of input and consequences is for a given encounter. And... You know, at the same time, though, I kind of relate to Penny where, like, I don't feel passionate about a lot of things, but also I I think a lot of it has to do with, like, trial and error of being in public. And maybe maybe this is a bad thing of, like, getting really excited about things and going on too long about stuff that other people clearly are not interested in. (laughs) So I don't know if that's quite the same thing, but yes, I do think nerddom... Well, and not even, I, I don't think this is what we've talked about so far, but I think, you know, as much as the word toxic gets overused, you know, that's kind of where gatekeepiness comes in with nerdiness stuff too. It's like, oh, if you don't know everything about this, you must not like it at all. Like, you're only casually enjoying this thing unless it is somehow a fundamental part of your being. And that's shitty, but they didn't get that intense in this episode, I guess. No, they didn't. Yeah. Like, there are people who you're like, I don't like Star Wars. And they're like, oh, okay. Well, that's a hate crime. But <laughs> that's... No, I guess I'm just... I'm wondering for people who... Well, it's like... Like, where does... If that passion doesn't go into obsessing over, like you said, Final Fantasy Seven strategies or whatever, where what does it go into? Like, I know people... I mean, I guess it like it's just hard for me to imagine not being obsessed with the things I'm obsessed with or being obsessed with something comparable to the things I'm obsessed with. So it's like, what would be left over if you took that? Like, would I be basically what I'm asking is, would I be someone who wasn't capable of feeling that way about anything? Or would I be someone who like who like, I don't know, felt that way. But in order to feel that way, I'd have to like go out and go to a rave or something like that. Yeah, well, and I think 
I, I, it actually, and this is, I don't know, maybe getting too real here, but like thinking about even theoretically, like someone who does, doesn't have any passion about any particular thing. And for thing like, I don't, I wouldn't say I'm a dispassionate person, but I feel like I just kind of overall with my temperament, my history of depression and my, I don't know, my, my sneery attitude, I get less excited about a lot of things than friends of mine do. And so I have this reputation of being kind of a, a sourpuss and not liking anything. Yeah, you can be a killjoy. Which I do not mean to do at all. I just... No, I know. But yeah, like, that's not it in just me. Makes you, it just makes you angry when other people unironically enjoy things. I do not get angry. I get confused. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah like i've worried about that and like i don't know it grosses me out to think that like because if you don't have something that like really drives you like i guess it's okay to be content with a normal life free of ups like extreme ups and downs but i don't want that that sounds like that sounds whack i don't know <laughs> Well, anyway, sorry to sorry to go back over that again and again and again. But uh, well, what else are we going to talk about with this episode? I challenge you, Kyle, to think of something more interesting or relevant to the episode to discuss. Uh, I mean, yeah, because I didn't. I mean, Raj's whole thing. I thought it was funny that because uh, you're right. When it first starts out with him accidentally finding the blog, I was like, well, this is straightforward enough but he does later confess to spending hours pouring over like it's one of those jokes that's just a one-off joke but it's like he's like he's like she's like oh yeah i didn't really write that blog for anyone to read he's like i know it took me hours to find it i had to you know yeah and i oh yeah you've got you've got great credit scores and i'm glad your your uncles got over this condition and then it's like oh geez Raj, that's uh i mean i'm glad that that it all turned out well but Oof, you were really digging for her. Yeah. <sighs> but yeah, I don't know. I wasn't as frustrated by it this time because I was just kind of like, oh, this is such a effortless episode, but st- I still want him to do with more with Kate, Kate McCucci. She's just, I don't know. She's, she's so far effectively a straight man, and that's kind of a bummer. Like, I don't know. It's I think it's too late to expect her to have something even quirkier than the main cast, but I, I really want her to stand out more. I She just feels like such a wasted resource the way they've used her so far. So, fingers crossed. Oh, and also, I thought about this when watching. Hey, you know what? Just like the show uh, isn't supposed to be really remembered or dipped into from week to week, I usually, in between recordings, let go whatever the hell we talked about from the last episode... But I did remember watching this time. Oh yeah, they're not doing anything with that tenure issue, are they? <laughs> like it's exactly as I expected. They all got tenure, and it's all fine, and nothing happens. So, uh, or presumably one of them got tenure, and they're never going to bring it up again because they've already had to address that conflict. Who knows? Who knows? Didn't happen this episode, so it'll never happen again. <sighs> I mean, Kyle, I don't know. I'm, I'm ready to move on to my favorite thing. Honestly, yeah, but like, how ahead. do you feel? Let's do it. Okay, so... You go first. Tell us all about it. Tell us about this movie. Well, I'm recommending it almost exclusively because it's time-sensitive. Because like I said at the beginning of the episode, I have seen so many better movies in the last couple weeks. But my recommendation for this week is... It's got to be Avatar 2. I'm sorry. Oh, no. Have you seen it yet, Kyle? 
I'm I'm just gonna wait and hear you out. Yeah, no, it's uh, I think I think I can make a fair case here with, without debasing myself, and it's that Avatar Two is a stupid movie. It's dumb, and if if you like Kyle and I are people who spend any time on the internet, yeah, you're almost certain to have seen news of like indigenous backlash about the uh, the Navi and especially the new water Navi being pretty obvious amalgamations of existing indigenous cultures. And so what I can say is I think that is 100% the case. And the only pushback I have is not to, not that that isn't offensive, but that um, James Cameron in these movies presents colonialism as a five-year-old would understand it. And I can't tell whether that's because he has such an unsophisticated or um, or just like a lack of new like lack of interest in the nuance of it. But I think it's because he knows that this movie is going to be consumed by the whole world, even babies. And so he <laughs> needs to make it as clear as possible that the scary humans with the machines are the bad guys and the, the blue people in the woods and the water are the good guys because that's part of the reason this movie is so dumb is that there is just, it is 100% black and white. Like, the humans are absolutely just like an unstoppable force that is nothing but destruction and profit. No one in the movie has any but the most obvious of um, motivations it is all completely, every character is one note and surface level. But the reason I'm recommending it is because, I, you know, I went and saw it in IMAX 3D. And I'm recommending you see it specifically like that. Because there's just so much cool shit to look at. That's the thing. is like, it's so dumb. But James Cameron does know how to make an action movie. And so, you know, it's set piece after set piece. Even though it's three hours long, which, you know, I think is almost, like, objectively too long for an action movie. At the same time, like, very, very little of my thought was, like, worried about things dragging on too long. You know, like, if anything, I was impressed by how trim the plot and setup and everything. Because, like, I was thinking about any other like mainstream modern action movie. And I was particularly thinking of Marvel movies where like really early in the movie, when humans start appearing, they have all of this advanced, you know, like super futuristic technology. And that goes from like automated robots that build buildings to humans in individual, like powered mech suits that are essentially like, not just for battle, but, like, are kind of, like, all-purpose exoskeletons that they're just walking around in the whole time. And what I really appreciated was that at no point does anyone need to step in and be like, oh, yeah, that's the new model such-and-such. Such. It's been used for these years, and it's capable of doing these things. Because you don't need it. Because it's obvious. You see someone walking around in a mech suit. Hey, you know what? I guess humans have mechs and they could walk around in them. Great. And even though it is such a dumb movie, James Cameron at least knows that even a five-year-old can understand that and doesn't need that much hand-holding. And um, the thing that you reminded me of, Kyle, partway through the episode when um, talking about 
Joss Whedon and Duffy stuff is that like another thing I really appreciated is that um like not to its detriment like the movie again I'm just gonna keep emphasizing it's stupid but like it's pretty like earnest and takes itself seriously like characters aren't like winking at each other and cracking jokes and smiling and that's not to say it's a super serious movie like it's got a lot of funny moments it's it's pretty light-hearted but the characters are like actually living in that world there they there there's no um meta fiction about it yeah. no one in the movie represent uh references another movie that all of the characters in the movie are like where part of the joke is hey all the people watching this are also thinking of this movie right now am i right yeah exactly and it was it was honestly really refreshing and so yeah i've, I've like i said i've seen so many better movies but like having like a a big dumb blockbuster that just doesn't like trip over itself like i i honestly like i i know that it is reviewing worse than the first movie but i honestly like it better and this is the only reason i'm actually recommending it um is that it's time sensitive it's like i'm saying see it in 3d because it's a spectacle like the movie for me didn't really need to be that great because honestly i just love looking at all the cool shit and that's like not a like I'll never need to watch Avatar 2 again, all right? I got it. Like, I don't, there's nothing in there that left me wondering or thinking after the movie. But, like, it's just a thing to stare at and to kind of, like, let wash over me and to have that experience for a few hours. That, I actually think, is worth it. And so, um, and, like, by the time it's out of theaters, it's not a recommendation for me anymore. Like, if, it, honestly, like, if you're watching it on your TV and you're trying to watch just, like, a normal movie with a plot and things to be invested in, frankly, not worth it. But I think just to have, like, this big over-the-top... And, like, it does genuinely look incredible. Like, you know, I still have problems with 3D, and even watching the movie, I was like, I don't know if this always works. You know, there are some scenes where I'm like, well, everything's flat, but why did they make that decision, and why in this next scene are these specific things popping out? Like, I couldn't help but think of that. But it's still, in spite of that, like, just looks gorgeous. And so, like, not not a good, capital G, good movie, but I just, just like, worth having that experience. So that's, that's why I'm recommending Avatar 2. <laughs> and you can tear me apart for that as much as you like or whatever, but, yeah, it's, it's just dumb and it's fun. Your turn, Kyle. <laughs> I'm just going to say uh, I didn't enjoy Avatar as much as Nick did, but I'm not going to shit all over his recommendation. I am going to say the deepest bummer I had in that movie was I was watching. I was like, man, this is a lot of money spent to represent the experience of like just going in nature. And then I had the thought that, uh, oh, this is the future. It's we're going to destroy the environment and then we're going to pay billions of dollars to watch people spend a bunch of time in 3D and CGI-generated environments that we used to have access to, but we don't anymore because we blew them to pieces. And that was pretty bummed out for the second half of the movie after I had that thought. So that probably had a yeah. lot to do with my experience of it. Well, and I, I, I agree with that. And I think something that is just like foundationally silly about these Avatar movies is like especially like it got so overhyped with the first one like 
oh, it's this magical, beautiful, thriving environment. And I watch it, and I'm like, this is all cool, but, like, this is the woods, yo. Like, this, yeah. it's like, yeah, to the extent that you don't feel, like, one with the earth and, like, you're communing with it, like, no, we're never going to have some sort of, like, literal, well, I, I, actually, I take that back, because, like, no, we, like, we are all, <laughs> even in this moment, symbiotic creatures with the earth and our environment. But, yeah, we exist in a culture where we don't really like appreciate that and we we exploit for resources over living much more simple difficult but integrated lives and like that's yeah like to look at any of this as like some sort of like far-flung fantasy it's like no that's kind of just that's how the earth was and i was in in hawaii the week before i saw avatar way of water so that probably also took some of the wow this amazing setting out of it because i was like yeah and now it's it's like there you can go yeah no it's i think it it's silly it's i don't know why anyone would ever fantasize about going to pandora other than having exactly what oh you're gonna say i well i i'm just waiting I was going to say, except for people who I think have the same brain disease as James Cameron does of wanting to be accepted as a white savior in an indigenous culture and to, to be like, no, I'm cool, too. I'm I'm also one with the earth. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and wanting to wanting to fuck the blue kitty chicks. Yeah. You know what, though? Like. I don't no, know. I'm not saying that you want to. I'm just saying that I'm pretty sure there's going to be like I think there was a little bit after the first movie came out, but the technology was still so primitive. But now we have definitely we have definitely reached a place where a prolifer you can expect a proliferation of Navi porn just all over the internet uh, after this movie comes out. We're just going to be drowning in it. Yeah, I'm probably I'm probably gonna watch some of it out of laziness. <laughs> like I'm not I'm not into it, but it's gonna be featured on some page, and I'll be like, all right, well, this is yeah, you know, this is what the kids are into. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, mixed mixed recommendation, but a recommendation nonetheless. That's fine. I also have a mixed recommendation, which it's just it's mostly like the nerdiest thing I watched over break, and so I didn't do much else that was. Oh, I got one other thing, but maybe I'll save that for a future. Uh, I finally watched Nope. Oh, okay. I've this is on my my list of movies I feel like I should watch, but I'm just I've such mixed feelings about Jordan Peele. But please so the, continue. The good news is there's good news and bad news. The bad news is Nope is still it like each one of his movies I feel like is getting a little bit worse than the last one. So Nope is not quite as good as Us, which was not quite as good as Get Out. So. Uh, he's not going in, in terms of quality. These movies are not going in the right direction. If you want a movie that will make you feel as like awesome as you did when, uh, or awesome may not be the right word, just as intense. <laughs> you want a movie that feels as intense as Get Out? No, nope, oh, it's still not that. Sorry. I'm forcing you to go back half a tick. If you want to feel as awesome as it feels to have been hypnotized by a white family and then murder all of them, no, you're not going to get that. That's 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 relegated to a single film experience. But anyway, sorry. Uh, go ahead. So I do think his movies are just getting objectively worse. That being said, there's still there's so many moments in Nope that are good that it's almost like you can. It's one of those movies that just has a lot of really good. Spe- you know, the movie that I would most compare it to now that I think about it is probably Cloverfield. So Cloverfield oh. is again 
just like taken as a whole experience of like a complete cinematic statement. It's not like a super duper great movie, but like individual moments of it, like when you're seeing the monster for the first time or like when, you know, people are running, like just the overall experience of like the scale and watching the, and like the individual like horrificness of feeling like a small person in the face of this giant monster and just how cool the monster is. There's a lot of that. So, uh, I think, nope. So anyway, so, and I don't want to, sp- it's hard cause I don't want to spoil it. Uh, mm. because this is another one of those movies where, and the reveal is not done particularly well, but it's still like the one cool, th- probably everybody who's even like, I thought that this movie had already been spoiled because if you watch any of the trailers, it's pretty clear. It's about like, uh, a UFO. So it's about, uh, some some dudes living on a ranch in outer Los Angeles. They're actually they're a black family that has been making that specializes in horses that appear in cowboy films or other horse films for Hollywood. And business isn't going as well as it used to, but there's still just this you know there's this brother and sister and their horses out on this ranch. Uh, and then there's something in the skies that looks pretty traditionally like a UFO. And so uh, you eventually find out what's going on with all of that. And it's cool. And the reveal, while um, it's a little heavy-handed, just the imagery around what is going on with the UFO is just great. And then, uh, you know, the entire final encounter between the uh, the people and the UFO, while not um, – yeah, I don't think logically what happens makes any goddamn sense. But like, uh, and I don't even think the motivations of the characters make perfect goddamn sense in terms of like. But just watching like people run around on horseback, you know, while a UFO is chasing them is pretty fucking phenomenal. Uh, right. It's just like it's cinematically pleasurable in like a very plain way. Um, that being said, uh, thematically, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like what's going on there of course i also like when i finished us i was like convinced that it didn't make any sense and i thought about it more and i was like well it makes slightly more sense i gave it credit for i don't know if he'll feel that way about this one or not i suspect not but i do i appreciate that again he was trying to make a really like interesting sort of complicated what's essentially just like a monster movie okay Um, well and what you're saying is like exactly what i was worried about but that you enjoyed it anyway gives me some hope because like I watched Us again not too long ago, and yeah, at the end I was like, you know, that's so many ideas that never really connect or pay off. And something that I think I assume he was really proud of is like he had so many little things that he would set up that would have a payoff later in the movie. But I was like, it wasn't really a satisfying payoff. Like, I don't... I don't know how it is that the kid playing with this magic trick lighter the whole time and then using it at the end of the movie is supposed to make me feel great. But uh, if it's just a good time anyway, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's some, there's a lot, like, there's this whole subplot with a chimp that is just, like, I don't think has any real thematic payoff, but they're still, like, they spend a lot of the movie on, like, the chimp stuff. And, like, I'm sure people are going to write essays. Like, here's what's going on with the chimp and why the chimp is important and. No, I'm not sure it matters, but but it's still it's still pretty good, I think, if not great. And 
to me, this is going to sound dumb, but I think it's worth it alone for, uh, there's a scene where, uh, one character does the fucking Akira slide on a motorcycle, Mm -hmm. which, uh, I didn't realize this, but that's the first time that's ever been done in live action. Uh, so, cause I see that that is one of the most, uh, homaged shots in like all of animation. And so I assume that somebody must've done it on an actual motorcycle before, but I didn't realize being the idiot that I am, that of course no one had ever done it because the physics of that are insane. And you would have to like rig up a lot of special stuff to get a motorcycle to do that in real life, but they didn't in the movie and it's a great shot. Well, I will soften my heart again to Mr. Peel and try letting him back in to, to see how it feels just, this time. Just go in with medium expectations. Just medium expectations. Not high expectations, just medium expectations. You know, that's that worked for me for Glass Onion. So, I don't... You know, like... Also, this might be a crazy thing to say about that one, to shift really quickly, is I think the consensus is that uh, it's not as good as the first one. I wonder if that would be the same consensus had it just come out before the first one. I'm not sure. Like, I really, really, really enjoyed Glass That's Onion. interesting. Yeah, I didn't think it was as good as the first one, but I also thought it was so different that it's almost not fair to compare them. Like, they're just two very different movies that happen to have, like, the same yes. protagonist, which I really appreciate. Well, and also, um, this isn't really a spoiler, but if this is going to bother you... Dear listener, skip like 30 seconds ahead because uh, Glass Onion now has like my number one favorite line a character has ever said that I had to like rewind and listen to a couple times, which is, you know, our our Benoit Blanc is uh, talking with someone I won't identify who is putting together a little notebook and says to him, oh, this is just like from that game Clue. I bet you're great at Clue. And he's so frustrated. He says, oh, no, I've always been very bad at dumb things. It's my Achilles heel. <gasps> oh, oh, I love it. <laughs> like, I um, I also, I watched uh, Pop Star Never Stop, Never Stopping the same week, which is explicitly a comedy film. And I didn't laugh nearly as hard at anything in that movie as I did at that single line. Oh, this is beautiful. <laughs> Yes, Benoit Blanc is all of us when he is frustrated with... Everyone has felt the way Benoit Blanc feels, you know, just dealing with stupidity. Yes, and that is... Yeah, I, I won't say anything more, but yeah, his his frustration like, is just like... I, I don't want... But like when he's like, that's not a word. It sounds like a word, but it's not a word. Yeah. Well, I just felt that so hard in my soul. Well, you want to know what? To me... That was a satisfying payoff because, yes. like, that's like so early in the movie that word is said, and I'm like, "What the fuck is that about?" <laughs> and then later on, it's Benoit Blanc is like, "What the fuck was that about?" In his Benoit Blanc way, <laughs> and it's like, "Oh, thank you, thank you, oh god!" <laughs> like, I thought I was having a stroke. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> you know, I take it back. You know. So yeah, you, recommendation for the weekend. You don't. Onion you don't. You don't have to leave your home to even see Glass Onion. Like that was. I went to the theater to watch Avatar, and like it's not. It's not a part of my official review, but I was like, ah, oh, this place stinks, and there's people in it. I hate this. But like, didn't have to worry about that when I was watching Glass Onion. So. Ah, ah, oh, God, yeah, like. 
you know, uh, they could release the next one could be garbage. And so long as Benoit Blanc is in it, I'm good. Like that is uh, best best modern uh, cre- relatively new character. Um, well, Kyle, I guess we just need to wrap up unless there's anything else we want to have mixed feelings about. <laughs> nope. Apparently not. All right. Well, bye guys. Bye. Yeah, it was good. Whatever. See you later. Eat my shorts. Oh, wait, 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 wait. <gasps> I have one more thing. This has nothing to do with anything, but I feel like it's something that I have to. So there's a movie out called The Fablemans, which I would not recommend. It's not that great, except don't watch the entire movie because the entire movie is long and boring and kind of garbage, which is sad because it's Steven Spielberg and he usually makes good. Do watch the last five minutes of the movie on YouTube or whenever it's streaming because the last five minutes of the movie inexplicably features <laughs> of David Lynch playing John Ford in a movie, and that was pretty fantastic. You've you've convinced me. Like, I uh, I have no negative feelings at all towards that movie. It's all just also just something that is kind of like I'll get to it when I get to it, whatever. But um, I'm I will spoil the rest of the experience to see this wacky five minutes, knowing that that's no. the most value I'll get out of it. No, it was wild because the whole movie I'm like kind of bored as fuck, but you know it's fine. And then just uh, I mean I'm impressed by the technical aspects of it because steven spielberg's a very good technical filmmaker but i'm mostly bored and the last five minutes of the movie they're just like hey you want to you want to see a really good film it's like the kid who's obviously supposed to be steven spielberg it's like hey did you know that next door is john ford the greatest filmmaker who ever lived and he's like want to meet him he goes in the next room and all of a sudden this dude comes and i was like is that is that david lynch is that david lynch playing John Ford, is that one of the greatest filmmakers ever made, just playing another of the greatest filmmakers ever made, but not changing his voice or mannerisms at all no. to do so? <laughs> yeah, you, you see David Lynch is in there, and there's not even a part of my brain that registers he's trying to play a character. I'm like, oh, I know it's this David Lynch. <laughs> like they put him in a costume, but it's still... <laughs> yeah. Hey, guess what, everybody? I'm John Ford now. That's exactly. You're going to love these other films that I, John Ford, have made. <laughs> That's like so. Now I have to wonder for the rest of my life, or until I see, like, find a clip of him. Like, did he do? Like, did he do that because he was just trying to find one director who like stood in for another director, or was John Ford actually like, like, did John Ford have David Lynch's voice and mannerisms this whole time, and no one told me? How fucking wild would that be? That rules. Uh, okay, God now bless we can that end. man. Let's end on that. Yes. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>